It's an unfortunate case of here we go again. A 13-year-old stabs another 13-year-old in an unprovoked attack in a park. Why is this still happening and what can we do to curb all of this youth violence in Winnipeg? Switching to cybercrime, there is a continued rise in cybercrimes and scams. What are schools seeing when it comes to demand for training and sextortion targeting is on the rise, specifically with boys on Instagram and Snapchat? And Loren heard something on her overnight show, The Shift, on her way into work, and she couldn't believe it was a thing. What are the things that you can't believe are a thing? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who's back from vacation next week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, August 4th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling on vacation. We've got a couple of things to recap and explain. We are off the air overnight. Details on that in a moment. And I uh, just want to recap some of the hail situation out in Alberta because it turned out to be a record setter. But before anything, I feel like I got to start by uh, offering an apology (laughs) to Loren McNabb. I just scared the daylights out of her. Oh, I was deep into listening to some audio that I was editing, cutting to play later in our show. And I'm jumpy at the best of times, but I like my heart is racing because I had my headphones on and you came to just Nicely give me the rundown. You printed out some stuff for me, and I lost it. That was a loud scream. <laughs> yeah, the arms went up. She jumped out of the seat. Then I swore at you, called you some names, called the passing engineer a name for no reason. <laughs> everybody was a victim. And I'm walking out of the room, and I hear, hear Lorenz saying, Shut up, Yankoski. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just came in to say, Hey, that's a really pretty sunrise right now. It's that's like, it. oh, yeah, like you're trying to make me nice and calm and serene to start the show. And I feel like you just popped a balloon by my head. Or like, I don't know. I'm sorry. That was it. And then I was like, I'm. That was a classic overreaction. That wasn't an overreaction. It, it's when you get scared like that, and because the situation what did I think is was happening. Well, you it, were startled. I know. When still. someone comes up behind you like that, it's startling because the way it works is Loren's studio. She, I can walk into the room, but she's facing the wall, so I walk in and. I see her back, so I have to come up from behind. Why is that, by the way? Why wouldn't this be facing the other way? Can I reconfigure that, like in the commercial break? <laughs> if you wanted to, if you want to try that, shot. fill your boots. <laughs> Somewhere, all the engineers are now screaming as I suggest moving all our equipment around. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll just take a couple of minutes. No problem. No it problem. is a pretty sunrise behind you. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. I just posted a picture as well on my uh, Instagram, and I can text that to you as well if you'd like, Loren. You're facing west, though, so you're not really seeing the sunrise from where you are, but I can see the effect of the colors behind you. Yeah, like so we actually probably, uh, of the three radio studios in this building, uh, for us, Power 97 at Peggy and 99.1, we have the, I would say the... I don't want to say the worst view because that's mean to this side of the of Winnipeg. Well, just but, not a sunrise for the morning. We yeah. have the, I think we have the nicest studio personally, but we have no view. Yeah, but it is nice because we can see the sun. It, it's cool when the sunlight starts raining down 
on these buildings. So that's pretty, that's nice. But uh, I'm sorry. I will go out and look at it in the commercial break, the sunrise, to calm myself down. (laughs) Serenity now, McNabb. Um, Loren gave me a heads up as I was in the cab. It was around 3.59. She said that uh, there's something wrong with, either something wrong is, there's something wrong with my radio or we are off the air. And uh, sure enough, I got to work and then we had a couple of text messages to say that, are you guys off the air right now? And it turns out we were off the air from about 2.30 until just before 4 o'clock. And uh, it looks like they were some, doing some work on our, on our tower and uh, we are on backup power. So I imagine that's what it had to do with. So if you're listening to the show overnight and wondered, what was, where is the shift? Why is the shift not here? That's what's up. And as far as the hail goes in Alberta, we shared a story yesterday. We were talking about the tornado, of course, that uh, touched down between Toulon and Netley Creek. And there was also severe weather in Alberta on Monday. Loren, just hor- that horrifying video of those that couple in their car just holding on to each other, thinking, is this it? Well, it was baseball-sized hail. That's what was first reported. And after measuring it and getting different accounts in and different examples that people might save in their freezer and looking at photos. Man, it was a lot bigger than that. Uh, Global's Craig Momney just explains what went down there. This hailstone from Monday afternoon storm has shattered a Canadian record, weighing in at over 292 grams. One of the stones we measured was over 12 centimeters across. Uh, Previous records for Alberta were about 10.5 centimeters. Dr. Julian Brimelow with the Northern Hail Project from Western University says the last time the province saw hailstones this size was in 1987, during what is now known as Black Friday in Edmonton. I think the heaviest was about 264 grams. While Alberta is known for its hail, the hailstones that typically fall here are no bigger than baseballs. So what caused some to fall the size of a softball, leaving dozens of cars along the QE2 severely damaged? Environment Canada meteorologist Sarah Hoffman says it all depends on the storm's updraft. Once that ice, that um, hailstone has a terminal velocity stronger than the updraft, it'll actually fall to the surface. A weaker updraft will have smaller hail and a stronger updraft will have larger hail. Craig Momney, Global News. So 12 centimeters, bigger than a baseball. I was looking, what is 12 centimeters? This is a terrible reference, but you know, your average CD mm-hmm. that you play and which half the audience might not get because we don't use CDs that much anymore, but they're 12 centimeters. And so when you think about that size, that's tremendous. And then what was really cool, and if we get a chance to play a bit more of the story, is that they try to, like, in Alberta, control the size of the hail and what's known as Hail Alley. So they seed the clouds. You've heard of cloud seeding before where they try to either add precipitation or add different things by plane into the system. Oh, my gosh. Huge, because the hail is so bad there that they, back in 1996, they got these five cloud-seeding airplanes, and they fly in pairs, and they meet clouds that are potentially severe, and then they spray them with what's called, I have no idea what this is, by the way, (laughs) silver iodide particles. And then that helps speed up the formation of ice so then prevents it from getting too big, like it gets too big and then falls. Oh, wow. So there's this whole science behind it, but I just stopped and thought about the, you know, when we were looking at that video yesterday and remarking on it, the largest hail ever recorded in Canada is quite something. Yeah, 292 grams, by the way. That's uh, just over half a pound, 0.64 pounds, which might not seem like a lot, but when that's hurtling down from the sky and has the power to blow out your car window, imagine taking that on the back of the head. 
Oh, I can't. I can't. And we were talking yesterday about the hail that fell north of here and it being, say, loony size, right? So it's just fascinating stuff, what they're doing. Uh, weather was part of the story yesterday. Part of the story today we're going to get into is a couple things. One, 911 calls. Are you waiting longer when you call 911? And what about cybercrime? We're going to talk scams and the rise in scams and how are we fighting back on them and the people who might be training to help us beat back those digital scammers. Because every time my phone rings, I think, nope. Exactly. I had that this, 17 calls last week from the same two numbers. Like, just leave me alone. <laughs> Sitting in my barbershop yesterday waiting to get a haircut, and I get a text message from Loren asking the question, you know, had I seen the latest release from police? Wondering, like, why is, how does this keep happening? What is going on in our city? Yeah, I think I unfortunately added a few expletives to that too, Brett, because when I saw it, I think, oh my goodness, you know, and, and we can't keep turning or or looking at it and saying, oh, you know, turning our backs to this because you need to imagine this scenario. Your kids are out playing in the park it's just after sub- supper and they're stabbed by another kid. And I'm using kid because 12 and 13 year olds, those are kids. So this is what police are saying happened Monday night, 7 p.m., a 12- and 13-year-old were at the playground at Strathcona School on Mackenzie Street when they're approached by another teen. This teen is 13. Here's Constable Claude Chauncey. Uh, they were approached by a suspect uh, and uh, viciously attacked uh, in an unprovoked manner and uh, robbed of their property uh, before they fled the area. Our officers did attend and were able to locate the suspect uh, as well as the uh, the victims, uh, one of which was uh, suffering from uh, uh, some serious uh, stab wounds. And the use of a, a chest seal or a vented chest seal, as we uh, commonly refer to it, uh, was used in, to uh, to help uh, uh, help the victim uh, with her injuries. As the constable said, the 13-year-old suspect was arrested. That teen has been charged with aggravated assault, two counts of robbery, two counts of uttering threats to cause death or bodily harm, and assaulting a peace officer. As of yesterday afternoon, she was still in custody. So my initial thought when I saw this was, first, the age is... They continue to be remarkable to me, and we've talked a lot about crime and youth crime and the perpetrators being youth, but the victims here are also teens. They're, they're young kids, so the ages stood out. And then I think the place stands out. You know, if you're a parent, what are you thinking or feeling when you hear something like this? Because I'm a parent. My kids are just slightly younger than this age group, and you have rules, right? You try to get your kid home before dark. Maybe tell them places to avoid. Maybe talk to them about walking in groups or pairs. Stick with your friends. You know, don't go anywhere alone. These two girls, the victims of this story, they did all of those things. It's 7 p.m., so that's daylight in summer. It's at a playground. That's supposed to be safe. They're walking together in pairs. So, yeah, they did that. So what else are you supposed to do when you're saying, here are the rules I'd like you to follow to be as safe as possible? Would you expect to have your kid go to a park and, in the police's words, unprovoked attack. When I was a kid, the main thing my parents would tell, would warn us about was, you know, drugs. Don't, if someone comes up to you and tries to sell you drugs, just get away, get out of there. That was it. There was never, there was never even, I don't think it was even in the realm of possibility of, of imagination uh, to watch out for a knife or something like that. If a 13-year-old's approaching you, she's the same age as you. I, we don't know the cir- we don't know any more than what police told us in that clip there. But you, uh, you, in what world are you imagining another teen who's your age is there to hurt you? So I d- I'm trying to figure out what ways 
can you protect your kids? What better ways can you ask the community to rally and be there for you? And how how are we going to fix this? Because it's one thing to have the perpetrators be teens, but young kids also being hurt in this matter just makes me ill. After seven, we're going to talk to the neighborhood association where this happened about what happened and what they're doing to try to work with youth and talk to youth because this is all of our problems. Right now we want to talk about cyber crimes and scams at least, oh gosh, well at least once a week, some weeks it's twice a day, I'll get a phone call from an unknown number where I think to myself, I'm not answering that, it's probably a scam. Yeah, and you know, sometimes when I get an unknown phone call, I some I sometimes have passed the phone to the kids and just get them to answer it because nothing annoys the scammer more than having a kid yell out chicken dinner or whatever they think is funny to the phone caller. But it could be that phone call, it could be text, it could be an email, a message from a criminal trying to get you to fall for the latest crime. And it is it is really hard to keep up. You you know, you might think to yourself, I would never fall for this. But I've come close to falling to these scams and they wouldn't be doing them repeatedly if they weren't working. In fact, justice officials here in Manitoba, they said cybercrime between 2016 and 2020 jumped 370% over that four-year period, and they've only grown worse since they were able to gather those numbers. Cybercrimes are almost or equally pervasive as street crimes. And so yesterday, the province gave about $100,000 to Winnipeg police for new equipment and more training for officers. Sergeant Trevor Thompson is with the Financial Crime Unit and says in the past, criminals used more traditional methods to get your money. Now it's almost all about cryptocurrencies. In my office every day, probably seven or eight files uh, or reports to the Winnipeg Police Service that involve cryptocurrency. Uh, at least half of those will be involving uh, some sort of fraud or, or scam perpetrated either through an instant messaging platform or the internet. Seven or eight times a day a file lands on their desk involving cryptocurrencies. That's an average of almost 3,000 cases per year. We always say that the best prevention is an educational component on the front end and to prevent people from being victimized. But once you are victimized and the problem we run into is we're dealing with a worldwide problem. We're dealing with individuals or um, criminal organizations that are based overseas Uh, maybe in Asia or in Africa or in places like that that are difficult to get to, difficult to reach. Uh, So those investigations become complicated, uh, especially when you throw in in the use of cryptocurrencies and money moving all over the place to different places. Uh, It's a peer-to-peer platform, so it's very easy for the criminal actors to get money directly from victims. So we have to rely on our uh, strategic partnerships with uh, the RCMP, Europol, uh, different agencies in the United States to conduct these investigations. We're just kind of a small piece of the puzzle. Uh, overall, the law enforcement community worldwide has to be working together to solve these problems. Ritesh Kodak is a tech and cybersecurity analyst and says when whether it's a complex scam or a petty crime, there's increasingly a digital component to police work, and he believes all officers need better training to fight this. And even if we take traditional, let's say traditional crime, there's always a social cyber digital element. Was there a text message? Was there an email address sent? Has a photo been manipulated? Uh, should there be forensic analysis on a IoT connected device. There's a lot of data and information out there. So it has to be supplemented and it must be built in as a core competency. So clearly cipher tracing, it's next level stuff. It's extremely complex, requires a very specialized skill set, which they need when it comes to financial crime related investigations. But there should be more funding and more money going towards frontline officers that actually deal with victims um, at first instance when it comes to these types of occurrences. 
So more training for officers, for sure, that's one thing. We've talked before about legislation and changes that need to be made with the law, maybe, to better fight this. You need to have that cooperation, as they talked about, between all the police services around the world. But Sergeant Thompson said off the top, education obviously is the big thing, right, on the front end to get all all of us to be more aware. We talk often about ways to try to prevent your kids from being scammed or bullied or whatnot, you know, via their internet, the apps they're on, and yet adults really grown-up, intelligent adults were falling for it all the time. And, Brett, I came close last week, got a text. Someone said it was a message about my Amazon account being compromised, but then I thought, well, I haven't really bought anything on there in the past few days. It said, click this number to talk to us. This guy answers the phone, Amazon Canada. And I thought, that's a thing. Like, it just was so bizarre. And I couldn't figure out halfway through what they wanted from me because they didn't ask for credit cards. And so then there was that whole, well, is this legit? Like, was my account compromised? It wasn't in the end. I went looking right away. But I, I initially thought I must be getting scammed. But then I, but I'm the one that called them back. I, I fell for whatever they were trying to do. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, that's weird that, that they didn't ask for any credit Maybe information. Maybe it wasn't a scam. Like, I, I, I don't, it gets so hard to know anymore. And, uh, well, I'm just, I'm looking at my Instagram right now. Uh, in, my, in my inbox, I saw I had a couple of message requests. Turns out I had five. And they're all... BS. One of them, for example. Oh, and uh, here's one of the things too with with uh, social media scams. They're often, and I guess if when they're targeting men, they often uh, the profile picture is of a beautiful woman, right? That's that they want to draw your attention in, and of course that will grab my attention because hey, I'm a guy. But um, there's th- this is a ridiculous message from a profile by the name of uh, Shailesh dot one six six five. Hi. And then there's a link to something. Is this your dog? It looks cute and cute. Accept message from Shailesh.1165. Delete. Uh, What's this next one from someone named Lori? Hi, I'm on on the promoter team for something, something, and we think you'd be perfect to promote our jewelry. No, thank you. And then there was another one in there that uh, from somebody, her name was like Debbie.1657489825. No, there is a dead giveaway when there is 17 numbers in the profile. That's not a legitimate profile. And, but it was a follow-up because I got the message last week and this person said, this person, quote-unquote, it's probably some sort of a bot, but hello. And then a follow-up message. Were, are you busy? Why didn't you reply to my first message? It's relentless, right? And eventually you either decide to click on something or you don't catch it right away as being a scam. And it, it, and it's, it makes you feel ill about how you could fall for it, but people do thousands of times per day. And we're going to try to get more into this later in the show, Brett, but you just flagged something that came to our newsroom about, you know, here we are as adults trying to fight back against this. And our kids are also being targeted. And cybertip.ca says they've seen a growing number of calls to their service about boys, young boys who are being sextorted on Instagram or Snapchat. So there's just all sorts of things that are going on that make you increasingly nervous. How are we better training ourselves to understand what's going on out there and to notice the things that you should set up those red flags. How are we going to do that better? What are the things that you can't believe are a thing? Whether it's something cool or something bad or something weird. For example, on the shift overnight... They were talking about video games, and in this particular video game, Loren, you get to play as what? 
do I have to say this? Yeah, say it. You have, you get to play, you get to be a cat. <laughs> it's a fairly new game. Came out, I think, three weeks ago. It's called Stray. From the cat's unique point of view, players must navigate their way through the dangers of this unfriendly place and use the cat's skills to solve puzzles and uncover mysteries along the way. So this cat gets dropped into this this weird city and has to find its way out and it gets helped by this robot. But anyway, you you wander around this this city as a cat and you get to behave like a cat where you you know cats knock things over, but in this case the cat knocks things over and it falls through a window ceiling or something. And uh it it actually looks like a pretty cool game and my understanding is it's pretty popular and cat lovers especially are really digging this game, but Loren, uh, you're just not having it, eh? Well, I, like, look, you've talked me around in the sense that, sure, if you like a cat and you think it's kind of cool and it's fun and whatever, I just, I just, who is the person that's like, I want to get inside the cat's mind and create a game where I'm the cat roaming the streets and I don't get the end point. And also, you know, I don't like cats because I'm for lots, well, I'm allergic <laughs> to them, but I don't like them. Yeah. And so I just, I, I, don't, I don't get it. The joke was made on the show. Don't like cats. Like, so you get to play like a cat. So does that mean you get to wander around shredding curtains and peeing all over everything? <laughs> but anyway, it, it, you say what you will about the game. Text us. What are the things you can't believe are a thing? Whether it's good, bad, weird, whatever. For a chance to win tickets for the Burt Block Party, August nineteenth. Jeff Braun, why don't we start with you, sir? How about hot dogs, huh? Oh, oh no! Come on. I mean, look, there's a hundred <laughs> jokes out there about what they're made of, but we'll just say that at best it is not the best cut of meat, yet we've been conditioned to think of them as a treat because they're given out at, you know, birthday parties and carnivals and uh, family gatherings and barbecues and promotions. Come on down and get a free hot dog kind of deal. And it's just, you know, the only reason people are giving those things away is because they're cheap and easy to make, but we think of them as a treat. Also, they just have the word dog in them. That's allowed. It's food, and we can just call it a dog. Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> it is beyond the pale. I, I just don't understand how hot dogs happen and how people get so excited about the prospect of having a hot dog. I got excited yesterday. We, we found out that we, because uh, we, we're staying in Oak Island over the weekend, and uh, they have a burger shack there called the Creamy, but it's going to be closed. So I was kind of sad that I wouldn't get my burgers and poutine, but I'm like, well, I'll just bring some Smokies. So I went, or some hot dogs. So I went to the store and got some Winnipeg Old Country European wieners and some Bison Smokies, and yeah, I'm jacked up. I'm ready to go. Let's go, hot dogs. But Jeff, you make a compelling argument. Loren, what say you to that? He does make a good argument. Do you never eat a hot dog then? It is the absolute uh, last resort of, uh, you know, food. If, if it's the only thing being served, I'll have one, but it's never my choice. If you want uh, good Kids in the Hall sketch on that, just look up Kids in the Hall, Gavin Butcher Shop, and he comes in and he's like, you want to know what's in wieners? Old horse hooves and phone books? And I can't remember all the things he rattles <laughs> off. But uh, anyway, Portress, what about you? Well, I don't know. Like I'm with some. I love hot dogs. I love cats. Yeah. I don't know what what place am I? You know, what kind <laughs> I'm of allergic am to I cats, so that's. I just yeah, wanna, that's such a lame excuse. It's not but lame, anyways. but I, I always get yelled at every time I say this. So I can't remember one of the, our listeners. I think has put me on like a hit list. <laughs> okay, okay Poitras, what, what are the things you can't believe? Tofu. Yes. Tofu. Thank you. You're right. Why? I, I I've like it's I've been experiencing it a lot. Obviously, like I'm in a family of, of vegetarians now, 
and uh, you know tofu's uh, on for dinner every I, i've i've come to in, like enjoy it like i don't mind it anymore and eat it but it's like all right there you go tofu it can be good it can be yeah but it's like tofu yeah the first time i had it i i i went in with an open mind and then then i closed that mind that was the last time i had tofu but uh for, to those who can do it and who enjoy it fill your boots point uh forward to you what about you uh so I've been seeing this thing online lately, and I think it's 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 genius. It's ridiculous, but it's genius. It's uh, I call it the taco funnel, and so what it is, it's a funnel, and when you eat your taco, you eat it over top of it, and whatever falls of your taco falls into the funnel, and you put a taco shell under the funnel, and it catches it. Oh, yeah, to catch all the stuff that falls out of the taco, and then you got yourself a. A new taco with your old taco. <laughs> Four tacos for the price of three. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Like, like it's ridiculous. It, it's so ridiculous, but it's so genius. Is it though? That's, this is the opposite. You're convincing me this should be a thing. Yeah. It is a thing. No, I like that. We should all have them. I think we all should have them. What is its name? I don't, I don't, I have no idea. I just, I call it the taco funnel. Just Google taco funnel and you'll see. Yeah. There's a, it looks like there's one called uh, the burrito bumper, but there's also a taco funnel on Twitter. So there's a couple of things here. There's a burrito bumper. There's a taco funnel. Uh, yeah. This, I think that's dynamite. Good, good catch uh, for it. Yeah. I, I didn't know that was a thing. That might be a necessary purchase. Loren, what about you? Uh, I'm, you know me. I'm going to stick with something like marble cheese should not be a thing. <laughs> the bologna that has the cheese. This is weird. I don't mind the hot dog that has the, I'm sorry, I love the hot dog that has the cheese infused. I don't get the bologna that has the cheese in it. You know, when you go to the meat store and yeah. it looks Gross. horrific. Yeah. Some of it's got the little macaroni pieces in it, too. Yeah. Now you're going crazy. <laughs> it looks like me in grade seven when I had a bad breakout of zits is what it looks like. And I don't know why I'd want to eat that. So there's just a lot of foods that I can't believe. Are f- the same way you feel about the hot dog, there's just some foods I think why. Same with mussels or clams or anything where the poor little things just has a whole hard shell around it. And you're just, con- you just, you just want to steam it, boil it, open it up and eat its gushy goodness. I don't get that one either. <laughs> 204-780-6868. The things that you can't believe are a thing. Could be a game, could be a food, could be a new invention. Good or bad, too. Like, it doesn't have to be uh, something bad. It could be something that you're like, I can't believe this is the thing, and it's changed my life. 204-780-6868. Yeah, like a, the, like a taco funnel or a slap chop. Oh, genius. Oh, I bought the slap <laughs> chop. I have a slap chop, too. Yeah, and the mine came to me, and it was clearly a used slap chop oh. that got shipped to me because it had all these scratches around the edge. And I was like, already someone's already been slapping this chop. That's gross. Yeah. It's Thursday, which means Small Town Salute Day coming up after Global News at 7.30. We're talking banana days, Loren? Banana days. We're going to go to the banana belt of Manitoba. Why is it called that? And honestly, do bananas grow there? I doubt it, but we'll find out. Not to be confused with Banana Fest. That's all I'm going to say about that. And we are also going to give away some tickets. A reminder for the Burt Block Party coming up August 19th. And we're asking you to text us at 204-780-6868 about the things that you can't believe are a thing. And we'll pick a winner at 915. We'll share some of those with you in our next segment as well. But right now we want to revisit something we discussed about 45 minutes ago. Two teens. Kids. 
attacked in a playground by another teen. That is the latest in a series of crimes Winnipeg police have been telling us about where the victims and the perpetrators are teenagers. They're approached by a suspect uh, and uh, viciously attacked uh, in an unprovoked manner. So that was Constable Claude Chancy, and the 13-year-old victim is now in stable condition. Another 13-year-old has been arrested and charged. The stabbing took place at a school playground, 7 p.m. Monday night on Mackenzie Street. All we know is what the police are telling us about what took place in terms of this unprovoked attack. But at the end of the day, you have very young Winnipeggers on both ends. This attack took place in the William White neighborhood, and Daryl Warren is with the Neighborhood Association, a big advocate for his community, and joins us now. Good morning, Daryl. Good morning. Curious what went through your mind when you heard about this. Well, unfortunately, it's happening so much uh, all over the city now. It it just doesn't surprise me anymore, unfortunately. Last month, Constable, or the police chief, Denny Smythe, said in response to several attacks at the Forks that uh, he worries about every violent crime, no matter the neighborhood. Do you think that most Winnipeggers feel this way, or, or do we unfortunately stereotype neighborhoods? Like, if something happens in the North End, people might say, oh, well, the North End. Like, to, to, to decide where we expect or don't expect crimes to happen. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, unfortunately, is a lot of people go ahead and look at it like, well, you know, it's the North End. It's to be expected, and it's not to be expected anywhere it's unacceptable anywhere so what should we be doing here when we hear this and we've talked often on this show and and over the years about how we fight crime but i think what's really disturbing people of late is the ages right and you've got really young kids involved as both the victims and the suspects so what can we be doing how how would you like to see your neighborhood react but all of winnipeg react well we definitely need to change things because uh it's been going like this for a very long time, and it's getting more and more out of control. So we need to look at our government leaders, whether it be federal, provincial, or city, to go ahead and lead the way in uh, addressing this issue. It's, it's, it's not being addressed by anybody. Everybody just kind of says, well, you know, like, it happened, right? How is your association working to connect with youth and kids well, we're, we go ahead and uh, we're running different programs for the kids. We have a basketball clinic running right now, and uh, we have graffiti art gallery has uh, got a drop-in where they teach the kids arts and crafts, and we have a skate program in the wintertime where we give out skates and uh, allow kids to come to our center and uh, borrow the skates and learn how to skate. So keeping kids involved is one thing, but... Mm-hmm. Talking to them, too, about things that we don't want them to be involved in is the other. And so I'm, I'm curious at what level. There's parents that have to be involved for sure, Daryl. But, you know, when you're doing these community connections with the kids, how do we address crime with them about ways we'd like them to, things that we'd like them to be doing versus taking that path, that wrong path? Well, we've got to go ahead and we've got to connect with them. I think the problem is, is... Uh, you know, there's a lot of organizations out there doing good stuff and good work and everything, but we need to connect with these kids and make them realize that, you know, like this is unacceptable and there there are consequences. You know, like uh, fortunately these kids, none of them died and, uh, you know, like it's serious consequences. 
Yeah, because when you have you've got two kids playing in a park where they should be safe, where they think they're going to be safe, and then this particular this unfortunate incident happens, and you don't want a situation where kids don't even feel like they can go play at the park, right? And and that's the thing I'm finding. Like we have a park at our location where our building is, and uh, I find that a lot of people don't come to the park because they just don't feel safe there. And that's that's unfortunate because they should be able to come there with their kids, whether it be parents or the kids by themselves. They should feel safe there. It should be a safe place to swing and have fun and climb on the monkey bars and all that kind of neat stuff. Why are they feeling that way? I mean, I can appreciate after hearing about this, you might think, okay, the playground is is maybe off my list of safe spaces, but it shouldn't be that way. And I'm curious, what's the driving factor in your community? Is it because the that playground that you reference is other activities going on there? There's people hanging around there that parents wish weren't. What's going on? Well, uh, that that particular where where that particular thing happened, uh, that that has been there for many many years and it's been a safe haven and uh there's a daycare in there we have community gardens and uh strathbona uh daycare goes ahead and brings about a hundred kids to our gardens where they have two plots and they're teaching these kids to grow their own vegetables and the garden and stuff like that and that's that's the kind of positive stuff that needs to happen Daryl Warren is with the Neighborhood Association, the William White Neighborhood Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB once again after a 13-year-old was stabbed by another 13-year-old who was arrested and charged. That took place at a school playground on Mackenzie Street on Monday night. Daryl, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you, and have a good day. If you want to weigh in at 204-780-6868, feel free to do so uh, because there's just clearly, Loren, no... There's no magic solution to this. And that conflict of uh, emotions there, right? When we ask for his first reaction, he says, unfortunately, I'm not surprised because it's happening everywhere. And yet you want people to be shocked and surprised. You need to be shocked when this is happening. But when when it continues to happen at the rate that it's been happening with kids involved, teens involved, are we going to get to that sense of complacency? We shouldn't be there. We shouldn't be saying, no. yeah, well, Winnipeg. The question that went up yesterday afternoon, Winnipeg police are putting more money into combating cyber criminals. Have you ever been the victim of cyber crime? 62% say not that I'm aware. 25% say definitely never. I'm very careful about that stuff. And 13% say yes. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. Don says, had a scammer call me last week saying they had kidnapped my grandson. I told him I didn't have any kids. He said he had my grandson, not my son. <laughs> Uh, you can't have one without the other, my friend. Wow. Just it's unbelievable. Uh, so, Don, thanks for sharing that. Just wanted to mention this quickly as well. Eve weighing in with something that's actually driving me nuts in construction. He, he thought it would, this would be driving Loren crazy. The traffic cones on Highway 59, this company set up a construction zone, and, and then they don't do anything for a week. Yeah, they're doing something when you go south. On 59, I haven't seen a lot of work on the north side, but there's just cones everywhere. So when you when you drive in at 4 in the morning, it's just the reflections off those cones. I have to slow right down, A, because it's a construction zone, and no one's even though no one's in there doing anything. But it's really hard to see. So 
I, I there is a tremendous amount of construction going on everywhere, and uh, I don't think I've picked a route home this week where I haven't hit some of it, Brett. So keep that feedback coming. And another thing that we are asking listeners this morning for a chance to win tickets to the Burt Block Party later this month is the thing you can't believe a thing. Like I couldn't believe this new video game featuring cats. The light you basically are a cat in the video game. I can't believe that's a thing. Yep. Uh, one of our listeners texted to say, uh, good morning, CGOB. The thing I don't get to thing are Crocs. <laughs> I won't lie. I loved them when I was pregnant, but who in their rightful mind thought that Crocs were fashionable? And have you ever walked through a puddle with them on? It's the worst and most comf- uncomfortable feeling. Each step, waters in the shoe reminds you of the sound you make with an armpit fart as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, she adds, don't get me started with people who wear socks with them. Oh, socks and Crocs. So I was told by a teenager in our neighborhood not too long ago but that socks with sandals is now a thing. No. Yep. The kids want the socks and the sandals. What? Got to cover your dogs or something yeah. like that. Your dogs are out. Then why wear sandals? I don't know. Just wear shoes. I got told the other, because I said, I made a comment about someone's socks with sandals and this mom said, no, actually, my kids tell me it's the cool thing now. Uh, <laughs> see, I can't believe that's a thing. Well, here, here's the funny thing about the the, the cool fashions that we, we latched onto when we were young. For the most part, we're going to look back on them and think, wow, I look ridiculous. Like, there are some pictures of myself, I can't even look at them because <laughs> of what I'm wearing. Oh, listen, man. I come from the area, era where we safety pinned the bottom of our jeans yeah. to, to make them tapered. <laughs> like, and you, and, and you do it all the way up to your knee. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and painful sometimes. It is 15 degrees here in Winnipeg, 16 in Maletta. No, not that much warmer, <laughs> but still, Maletta is often the hot spot in Manitoba. I remember doing the news for Global years ago and always saying to the weather person, Conkin, Mike Conkin at the time, why? Like, it's 20 here, 23 there, 30 here, 35 there. I kept saying, why, why, why? Well, yeah, it's always <laughs> just a little bit warmer there, enough to earn the moniker the Banana Belt of Manitoba. And so a few years ago, the residents of Melita decided to take that name and really run with it. Tomorrow, they kick off the Melita Banana Days Festival. And to tell us more, we're joined by Team Banana member, Alexis Titar. Good morning. Hi, how are you guys? I'm well. How does one get to be a Team Banana member, by the way? Do you have t-shirts or anything? (laughs) We do have t-shirts, yes, Team Banana. Um, we are currently looking for members, so if you want to join, <laughs> I love it. Commute might be a little bit for you, but you're welcome. The commute might be a bit much. Uh, before we get into what you guys are doing, Melita, it, for folks who may have not been there before, if I'm coming from Winnipeg, for example, how do I get there? How long might it take? Um, from Winnipeg, it's about a three and a half hour drive. Um, there's a few ways to get here, but you we're about 45 minutes south of Verdon kind of tucked right into the southwest corner, uh, like really close to the Saskatchewan border and the U.S. border. Okay, so the banana belt. Loren gave that brief explanation, but to be clear, you don't grow bananas there. No. (laughs) No, we don't, but we do have a statue, so... Yeah, so how did that come about, the statue? Uh, Well, people started um, talking about putting up the banana in 2007, and there was a bit of a controversy around town, but ultimately we decided to go for it, and I think it's paid off. 
Uh, lots of people come to visit Sunny and Breezy, the banana and his little bird cow. So, um, and of course now we have the festival weekend surrounded like around him. So, um, yeah, I think it's paid off and people are pretty happy about him now. He's the happiest looking banana I've ever seen. It's this giant statue, big <laughs> smile on his face. I've, I've, I've decided his gender is male, but I don't know if that's fair. Does, did you say he had a name or just the... Uh, so the banana's name is Sunny and his bird friend is Breezy. Uh, and I don't know what their pronouns are, so I'm going to steer clear. <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter. I just it's, it's decided as I was saying it that he looks happy, but it could really could be anything. And so, okay, let's talk about the festival. What's happening this weekend? What's on the agenda? Uh, we've got quite a few things going. So this is our first uh, festival back from COVID. Um, so Friday night, we have got a best ball tournament starting at 6 o'clock here at the golf course. We've got a parade. Um, we've got trick-or-treating in the park amongst the floats after the parade is done we've got touch a truck which is free free beer gardens and a local band playing as well as um paddle boats pony hop rides uh the water zorb balls that you walk on water in and a mechanical bowl all friday night that you can access with a wristband um saturday we have our blast off which takes place at the actual statue site so there's free banana splits if you register a barbecue, um, a dino show, and a roaming dinosaur. Um, and then in town, too, there's a movie going on, free swim, uh, toonie bowling, and then a carnival um, starting at 5 o'clock at River Park here in Melita, uh, which we have lots of things going on at the carnival, too. So there's bouncy castles, uh, mini golf, laser tag. We have a dog show. Um We've got a mini Ferris wheel for the kids, lots of stuff to do, um, and then a beer gardens with the Sean Taylor band playing in the evening. That's a lot of stuff happening, and you know we talk about staffing issues and volunteer shortages everywhere. Did you have any problems finding people to to put all this stuff on? Um, this year was a little bit tougher just because I feel like with COVID, a lot of events are happening now that were delayed. But that was really the main hurdle for us. Um, we have we have probably close to 50 volunteers, and that doesn't include the committee or anyone running a barbecue or working our beer gardens for us. So if you include everybody throughout the whole weekend and even people helping us set up for the event, because there's a lot of setup too, um, we probably have close to 100 volunteers and it's all said and done um and it takes a little bit of time for recruiting but most people are really eager to have the festival back this year and most people are really excited to be a part of it so it hasn't been hasn't been too tough i don't want to say that there were no challenges but uh no i think we're looking pretty good for volunteers yeah it's a lot of people to get these things together when it's all said and done and as brett referenced we've talked to a number of different festival organizers over the past few weeks who've just said you know i think it's part of part and parcel of just getting back to normal is getting people to come back to these events as well and so before we let you go i have to ask you know what what do you love about melita because every time i read something about the banana belt i can't really find an explanation as to why melita is warmer except for a lot of the comments that come back are well it's the people the people are warm and nice and lovely what do you like about Melita? I, I would agree with that. I grew up, I didn't grow up in Melita, so I uh, I would say that I was drawn here definitely by the community. I feel like everybody comes together for events like these and um, same thing, come, people come together for all sorts of things 
concerning the town and events and uh, definitely the people are a big draw. So everybody should come and check us out. Alexis T-Tart, Team Banana member, just ahead of Melita Banana Days Festival on August 5, 6, and 7. And thank you so much for joining us. It sounds like it's going to be a great, great weekend in Melita. Yes, I think so. Thanks for having me. It is 7.45 on 680 CJOB with McGarry and McNabb. When's so you the would- last day you've had a banana split? Or last time? She referenced oh, banana boy. splits being on yeah, the menu, I know. and that I thought, oh, good. that sounds good. It's been years. Yeah. Honestly, it's been years. Because usually when I go for ice cream, I always get, you know, the blizzard or the uh, whatever the equivalent is, the flurry, the avalanche, the the snowstorm, whatever they want to call them. I always get just, it's, every time it's always an Oreo version of that. But a banana split sounds delightful. The last time I had a banana split, I guess it was at the Bridge Drive-In, and it was magnificent, and I don't know why... I don't make this a part of my life more often. <laughs> I think it's because when I have one, then I want another one. It's also pretty big, right? Is the yeah. bananas like that's more of a shareable? It used to be the one we shared when we were kids. Yeah. Still, I don't need to share. <laughs> well, you didn't share your cherries, so. <sighs> we are asking you at 204 780 6868. The things you can't believe are a thing. Why is this a thing? Why is there a video game called Stray where you play as a cat? That's the question Loren's asking. I think the game looks kind of cool. But uh, we're getting some great feedback. For example, Loren, a text message involving, we were talking about ice cream earlier. Yeah, this listener says mac and cheese ice cream. Yes, craft Dinner. Why is that a thing? That's their question. Craft Dinner's a flavor in a lot, like that cheesy flavor is a flavor in, in lots of food items. Food keeps popping up. I had mentioned that loaf. What do you call it? Like the bologna loaf? Yeah. What, that has the cheese infused in it. It just looks weird to me. So foods come up a lot. Another listener says oysters should not be a thing. First of all, they're still alive. <laughs> Second of all, they're slimy and disgusting. And third, you don't even chew them. So what is the point, people? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get oysters, but I know people, my husband loves them. Yeah, I, I don't think, I believe I've tried the oysters, didn't care for those, but I have tried mussels, and when prepared properly, they were pretty good. Yeah. I think you like them because, again, the butter and the garlic, so I don't buy into that. And oysters, <laughs> I suppose, if you are cooking them in any way or if you just open them, they're not necessarily, they're either freshly killed or it may be even still alive. So it is kind of gross when you think of it that way, <laughs> which I hadn't before. And we were talking about sandals and socks as well. And Herb, with a reminder, that former 680 CJOB personality and traffic guru, Brian Barkley. <laughs> he always used to take heat because he liked to wear the Crocs and socks. Yeah. Well, Crocs, sandals. Crocs came up as, why is that a thing? And I like to throw out every year Capri's. Yeah, the Capris. My Capri rat. Only because you just took like four inches of material out of there for no reason. I hate Capri pants. And, they, and as, as one of my friends used to say, they cut your body off at, the, at like the worst spot, mid-ankle, mid, mid or whatever you call it. Yeah, I also hate the uh, Mid-calf Uggs. muscle. Yes, I hate Uggs too. Yeah, I mean, they, if you're just wearing them for comfort, fine. But I remember going to nightclubs and whatnot and... The no, young ladies were, were wearing the Uggs no. with, with short mini skirts, but then Uggs. And I thought, that's just ugly. So, 204-780-6868. The stuff that you can't believe is a thing for a chance to win. Tickets for the Burt Block Party will pick a winner at 9.15. Now, 
We want to give you some news here. We've been talking about cybercrime this morning. Well, cybertip.ca says they are seeing a concerning trend this summer when it comes to kids and young adults being targeted online. Adolescent boys are being targeted primarily on social media giants Instagram and Snapchat as part of an ongoing sextortion crisis. Yeah, so CyberTip is based here in Winnipeg through the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. That's right on an academy. And they get calls from all over the country. And in some data released this morning, they shared that the numbers for July are showing this concerning trend that young boys are being targeted in what they're calling a, quote, massive spike in sextortion cases. So if you don't know what sextortion is, it's basically... You know, you might send a photo to someone where you are unclothed or partially clothed or, you know, someone asked you to send this photo. And then that person on the other end is someone who then says, I'm going to share this photo with everybody if you don't give me X amount of dollars. And so that's been an ongoing concern for many parents and CyberTip for years. But they're now saying in the month of July, they had to open 322 case files for victims of sextortion. So... They had some numbers for us this morning. In the cases where they were able to figure out the gender of the victim or where someone disclosed their gender, 92% of the cases involved boys or young men. 50% of the victims were under the age of 18, and then another 37% were 18 years or older. And when they were asked what platform is used to facilitate the harm, 42% said it was Instagram, 38% Snapchat. So they were the most predominant ones. And then there was also some harm being caused through WhatsApp, Facebook, and a couple other things, Brett. And so they're really asking right now for people to talk about this, for the public to talk about this, but they're also calling on governments to create more control because they're they're saying that much the way we've been talking about cybercrime and the criminals being more savvy, if I can use that word, they're increasingly seeing two different ways that young kids are being targeted. Yeah, the Center for Child Protection says the analysis also revealed two distinct tactics used by sextortionists. Both begin when children are duped into believing they are interacting with someone their age, often in the context of a sexualized conversation. If the victim sends intimate images of themselves, the offender behind the account will immediately make aggressive demands for money while threatening to release the images to their family and friends. The review also showed an emerging tactic where the victim is sent Nude images of children from the person behind the fake account. The offender will then threaten to report the victim to police, claiming they are in possession of child sexual abuse material, and then demands for money immediately follow. So it's terrifying on both ends because you have conversations with your kids about being careful on social media and to never share those kinds of images because of the prevalence of sextortion. And then on that opposite end, though, Brett, getting sent that image and then having the person accuse you of being in possession of child sexual abuse materials is also horrifying. And you were saying this morning that in daily, is it, would it, you say you get messages from bots on Instagram or what have you that are just trying to lure you in yeah. to some sort of scam. Yeah, I'll get messages from from people who are like I who I follow, who I'm friends with on Instagram, uh, people who I've spoken to in person. And I got this message from this one woman who says, uh, hey, uh, I started getting into crypto. Uh, you you, wanna, you want 500 bucks for free? I'm like, what's the catch? Oh, there's no catch. I'm like, come on, there's a catch. Nope. And uh, she, her Instagram story was just littered with all of this crypto stuff. And I just, I, I didn't do anything with it. And then she came back to me a while later, again, trying, she, this time she was trying to get me to sign up for this crypto stuff. And uh, I started asking her personal questions 
And she, this person had no idea how to respond. So I finally dug into it a little further, and I found another account under this same name. It was the same person who had started a new account because the previous account had been hacked. Hmm. And here you are, someone who's pretty savvy on social media, right? Now imagine you're a 12, 13, 15-year-old that's new to it and not seen that scam coming or just being hit with that in that horrifying way, both with your personal... You know, we, we know sextortion has led to not just extreme bullying, but but suicide for young teens in this country because of the shame they feel about that photo potentially being shared. And so it's just a horrifying thing. Right now, we do want to continue conversation that we've been having this morning about cybercrime because hundreds, sometimes thousands of times per year, police are called to investigate some sort of cyber scam. Yeah, we heard from justice officials earlier this week about the fact that between 2016 and 2020, cyber scams had jumped 370%. And that was just to 2020. So you can bet those numbers are only on the rise. And I'm also willing to bet that there's not one of you, not one of our listeners that hasn't received a phone call or text or email or message on social media from a scammer. It's so pervasive that I'm also willing to bet your workplace has policies and maybe even training concerning all the things you need to do to avoid getting caught in a scam because it's not just about the possibility of a financial loss being scammed for your own personal money. There's also a security component to this because depending on where you work, the wrong click or wrong reply could really put your entire company at risk of a security or data breach. So it's a growing industry for thieves and as a result, a growing industry for schools who are trying to train the next generation of cybersecurity experts. Kathy Knight is the Dean of Information and Communication Technology of, at Manitoba's Infor- Institute of Trade and Technology and joins us now. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. So what are you hearing from businesses when it comes to cybersecurity and the, and the demand or the need to beef up their own security components within their businesses? Well, um, at CyberWave uh, through MITT, so this is our Cybersecurity Center of Excellence, you know, what we're hearing from the business community um, is um, I think the concept of cybersecurity is quite daunting for many. They're very interested. They need to find a starting point. You know, they want to know what is the best approach to not only secure their people, but also their processes and their systems. So, you know, we always advise uh, business owners that one of the best places to start is with training and awareness. So this is making sure that all of your staff, whether they're working in office, remote or hybrid, that they understand and know what some of the tricks are that, um, you know, um, uh, those bad guys on the on the uh, Internet are trying to pull. They're very sophisticated in terms of um, their ability to, you know, tap into those impulses that you have, fear, what have you. Um, and uh, so you've got to just make sure that people are, can identify and then verify. So if you see something that looks suspicious or, you know, you think, oh, hey, why would the boss uh, send me an email to order some gift cards? You know, you have to think twice about that. And um, so the best thing to do is to pick up the phone and call someone. Hey, did you send me that email or uh, text or was that you that left me that message? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and just make sure that, that um, you know that the person who sent it is actually who they say they are. 
But um, at, at CyberWave, we do actually have a training and awareness program uh, that we can provide to business owners. Um, and we also have training uh, for people who are looking at, um, you know, this is a career. Because as you said, uh, and rightly so, e-crime is up over 300%. Um, and with that uh, is also a demand for people to actually, you know, enter into careers that, um, you know, will enable us to combat this problem. So what are you seeing when it comes to that demand, Kathy? Uh, understanding that there's that component for your folks to go in and train staff to be more aware. But what about just the demand or the opportunity? I don't want to use opportunity. You don't want opportunity in crime or prevent- prevention of crime, but that's where we are. So what's the demand in terms of people wanting to get that diploma or degree in cybersecurity? Well, I think it's growing. I mean, we certainly um, are fully subscribed with the, and we've got a, a fall program starting. We do uh, three intakes a year for our cyber defense and cloud administration program. Um, but, you know, there's multiple ways to enter into a cybersecurity career. So if you are not someone who is able to take on a full two-year diploma, uh, which we have, uh, you can also look at things like micro-credentials, uh, which we also offer. We have uh, 12 different micro-credentials through our Lifelong Learning Institute. And so, you know, if you are in a career that, or you're in a job and you're thinking, hey, you know, this isn't the way I want to go, uh, this does, and I mean, I understand what you're saying about opportunity, but you know, by next year, there's going to be 53,000 jobs in cybersecurity across Canada. And uh, with remote and hybrid work, you can pretty much take a job with anybody in cyber um, and still work from Manitoba. So, uh, you know, look at what, you know, we're looking for people who have transferable skills, good communication skills, problem solving, critical thinking, um, those kinds of things. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be good in math. Uh, helps, but it's not an it's not necessarily a prerequisite for all jobs. How do you keep up with all the stuff that's going on out there? Because every 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 other day we're hearing about some form of a new scam or a remixed version of a a pre existing scam. So it's a lot like you. It's a lot for us to just try to stay on top of. Never mind, you know, an organization like yours. Well, you know, I think every organization has the same challenge, even individuals. Uh, the the um, technology in cybersecurity changes every 35 to 45 days. So I think the best approach is to stay informed, um, you know, watch the news, um, make sure that your internal um, people are uh, well-trained and up to scratch on all of the, you know, on all of the uh, different attacks and making sure that you're keeping your systems uh, well-patched and, um, you know, and again, going back to uh, ensuring that everybody across your organization has the training and a level, level of awareness to help protect. It's that, that's the first line of defense. You hear all the time, and police said this yesterday, you know, ideally the best way to prevent this from happening is for all of us to be more educated, but that's hard. And then I think another component of it, Kathy, is that even the best businesses in the world and the ones who have high-level security can find themselves hacked at time. And so people, whether you're at the top or you're just an ordinary person like me, you, you feel that embarrassment when you fall for something. And that's hard to get past too because, because what's happening is you're the victim. You haven't done anything wrong. Exactly. And, you know, I think that... Um 
you know, being embarrassed or, or feeling ashamed, I understand that feeling. However, I do think that, again, the level of sophistication that hackers have, um, you know, is is beyond what the average person has. So, again, just, you know, I'd say trust but verify. Uh, anytime you think something doesn't look right or it looks too good to be true, check it out. Make sure that don't click on anything that comes from uh, an email that comes outside of your organization. And, you know, again, uh, the training and awareness piece also comes with tools, which we can provide that, uh, you know, help you better spot what those kinds of uh, scams look like. Kathy Knight, Dean of Information and Communication Technology at Manitoba's Institute of Trades and Technology. Kathy, thank you very much for this. We appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. Anytime. And cybersecurity is indeed a big deal around here. I, 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 it's it's always one of those things where they kind of have to chase after us. Hey, guys, make sure you take the latest cybersecurity module or you're going to be locked out. And then we some will go, okay, fine. But then we do it, and it's it's either just a good reminder or there are some tips. Because I, I consider myself pretty careful, mm-hmm. but there are a few tips. Uh, like I've learned some tips along the way that have been really helpful because uh, – Sometimes you get thing, something and you go, that is just too close. I think I've told this story before, Loren, but I got uh, an email a few years ago now at work to my work account from someone claiming to be Revenue Canada. Mm-hmm. And they said, your amount has been processed and it was in the ballpark of 700 bucks. Um, and I thought, well, that... I am currently, like this was outside of tax season, but I was dealing with something with Revenue Canada. I was sorting out a mess that I had made. Plus it's money. Yeah, exactly. And I was, you know, I was near the near the finish line. So I was I had been waiting for that update, not via email. I was a little that's ultimately what tipped me off that it was a fake. But uh, it looked looked real. It was in the ballpark and it ended up being in that right amount. Like that was the around the same amount that I ended up getting. And, and what they do now, you have to be so careful of. And it sounds super basic, but they'll put a logo on that looks really official. Yep. And a name and an address and a sign name. And they have, they have just enough information that you think that, that this has to be real. Amazon will put it. There'll be fake Amazon emails, fake Walmart emails about how you're, you know, you had a gift card if you just click here. I, I, once a week I get one and I, I'm so curious to do it because I want to know where it goes. But you've qualified to win a free iPhone. And you're like, <laughs> I have? And you're all excited. And then you're like, wait a minute. Uh, because it looks so official. So that whole hint about even just checking the email and what the email looks like and, and how it ends or whether it has a bunch of numbers in it before it gets to the official email handle. Like there's all these little tricks you have to watch watch for, but you think you're smart, and then you, next thing you know, you're going down that rabbit hole of, of almost or maybe even falling for the scam. McGarry and McNabb, we have tickets to give away for the Burt Block Party, August 19th, Nazareth, Street Heart, the Headpins. We're asking you about the things that you can't believe are a thing, whether it's good or bad, like the video game that they were talking about overnight on the shift. There's a new, new-ish game called Stray. I think it came out. Uh, July 19th or something. And you play as a stray cat. You Please just... hit that audio. Uh, just hang... the first 10 seconds of it. The thing that makes... I, not only was the fact that you play as a stray cat made me cringe, but then the, then you found this. Oh, it's a scary video game. No, wait. From the cat's unique point From of view, cat's unique players point must of view. navigate their way through the dangers of uh. this unfriendly place. Ah! Use the cat's skills to solve puzzles and uncover mysteries along the way. 
Okay, shut it down. I didn't mean to interrupt. I apologize, but, you know. It's a game that uh, it looks kind of, I think it looks neat. Yeah, I admit, there was part of me that by the time I still got to the end of that trailer was intrigued. But if I had just heard that 10 second bit. I know, I get why it's weird, right? Because there are so many games where you play as an animal. We had somebody point out the video game Earthworm Jim. Right. And I referenced Sonic the Hedgehog, or there was Crash Bandicoot. Like, there's so many games where you play as an animal, but they're always like these, you know, animals in, in f- fancy uniforms. Like a superhero or, yeah. animal, or in, like you're, you're a rat, but you're like a superpower rat yeah. or something. This is just a cat. Just, just a, cat. a cat. Yep. Just roaming the streets. Yeah, sitting there licking itself, cleaning itself. But it, it's an interesting thing. But it certainly, when I first heard about it too, I thought, really? That's a video game? Okay. Uh, for me, the one of the things that jumps to mind is has to do with dating apps and not dating apps as a whole. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a few years now since I've been on them. I went on them in the fall of 2019. And uh, I had a, I, let's just say I had a, a fun fall. But after that, I decided to step back. But there are so many of them. And I was shocked to learn that one of them which is called Happen, spelled H-A-P-P-N, <laughs> it allows you to find people who are, like, in the immediate vicinity. So if you're in a bar or a pub or a restaurant, you can go on this app, and if there's someone else who's on that app, I guess you can meet them that way rather than going up and talking to them, which is actually kind of helpful to me, I suppose, because I'm terrible at talking to people in person. But I at the same time, think you'd like this. Yeah, like I think it's kind of a neat idea, but it's just the, how how the dating online dating has evolved so quickly. I just can't keep up anymore. Uh, so that's why I just sort of quit all of it. And, and the idea too that we this is where we're at. That instead of walking across the room, I'm just going to e-meet you all the time. Yeah. Although that said, I could walk down the hall and talk to you in this commercial break, and I'm just going to text you instead. <laughs> that's just laziness, though. That's not because I prefer I prefer the face-to-face. <laughs> Even with your RBF, I prefer the face-to-face. The resting bread face. Loren just revealed that she didn't realize it was a thing, this, this so-called this cloud seeding right. that they do to try to reduce the hail. Tanya says in the south of France where I lived in Saint-Nicolas-de-la-Grave they would use something like a drum to move clouds away from the farm fields and it was a super loud sound and I guess the vibrations actually moved them. That's neat. I have to look this up. That's fascinating. And then Darlene pointing something out that you I believe actually had some experience with and uh, Darlene says you should Google a picture of a monkfish and I don't know that I recommend that you actually do that if you're listening right now. But uh, who thought that something like that, who like who would see that and think that's something I want to eat and see what it tastes like? Because it's gross and scary looking. It does. It looks like one of those like deep sea sea monsters. It's the thing you're never meant to see. You know, if you get down in the deep and you see that thing, you just need to. It's time to give up. Like you're, some- you're going, you're going places you don't want to go. And I was saying to Darlene when we were overseas, we were in this market that had a bunch of cool things. And all of a sudden, my youngest stops and goes, "What is that?" And it's a giant head from a monkfish that they were selling to eat. 
And I can't remember what the guy told me it cost. The guy behind the counter, as an aside, looked straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> like, and he had, because he's British too, and he had the accent and the long black hair and like an earring, and he was describing this fish. And I just thought, where am I? But I will never eat this thing ever. Yeah, it's gross. Nadine, one of our runners up here before we read the winning text, says, I can't believe this is a thing. Remember these cameras? And it's a picture of a Kodak. Uh, what is it here? I'm just pulling that picture back up. The Kodak Extra Light 10 camera. So it's like a slim, it actually, it's, it's kind of shaped like a phone. It's just this slim camera. Oh, she says, you remember these cameras, how terrible the photo quality was? Well, these are now a thing with young people. What? My kids purchase these on purpose when they go out with their friends or on a trip. They have these amazing things called iPhones in their pocket at all times, and they use these they, you got to take pictures and then take them in to get them protest, processed. They turn out grainy, but apparently that's the point. I can't with that. That's the Oh, it's cooler this way? No. Yeah. On the opposite end, I do like a bit of a return to printing things out. I hate that I don't have more, more of my photos in a photo album. I have like 6,000 pictures in my Google storage, and when am I ever going to print any of those? And, and, you're, and not that you print all 6,000 of them, but I keep thinking I need to get back to like once a year combing through them and picking a hundred or something and having them in an album. But our winner is, and I love this straight off the hop this morning. Amanda says, the thing I don't understand are a thing Crocs. I won't lie. I loved them when I was pregnant, but who in their rightful mind thought that Crocs were fashionable? And have you ever walked through a puddle with Crocs? It's the worst and most uncomfortable feeling. Each step when water is in the shoe reminds me of the sound you would make as a kid with your armpit parts, (laughs) you know, the hand under the armpit. Yeah. Don't get me started, she says, of people who wear socks with them. And you were saying apparently that's a thing now. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I heard amongst the neighborhood kids that that, in high schools at least, the socks with shoes. Uh, Sorry, socks with sandals, rather, uh, was cooler. Just don't. Don't, kids, don't. You might think you look cool, but you look like an idiot. I want to talk to somebody, Loren, who I think Greg and I spoke to just before you came on with us, because you, you joined us in August 2018. Yes. Coming up on four years this yeah. month. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we... we no, do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. 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 You're here. <laughs> and you're still here. You know what? I should point out, it's been wonderful working with Loren in person <laughs> for a week, because it's been... We, we have spent more time working apart than together since you joined us. Yes, that's a good point. When you look at that time, more time apart than together, and it's so funny how much more animated one feels at four in the morning when they can see a face. Yeah, yeah, it's been nice. Otherwise I'm alone in the basement. Yeah, and otherwise I'm just sitting here alone in the studio. (laughs) And then whenever, I got so socially awkward that when somebody would come in to talk to me, I would just be like, oh, yeah, uh, yes, (laughs) yes, I I like turtles. But um, we got to meet somebody who goes by the name of the Traveling Food Dude and his dog, Holland. They came into the studio, and uh, it was a super fun trip. He's back in Winnipeg, unfortunately not in studio with Holland, but let's say hi to the Traveling Food Dude, Adam Vosting. Adam, hello, and welcome back. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Doing okay, bud. Thanks for uh, thanks for reaching out because it was uh, it was actually Adam who texted us on our Instagram to say, "Hey, I'm back in Manitoba. You want you mind if I pop by for a visit?" And I said, "We'll have to settle for the phone." But Adam, just reintroduce yourself for us. Where are you from? What led you to start traveling to eat, etc.? 
Oh, what a crazy story. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually was born in London, Ontario, but I spent most of my life uh, growing up down in Florida. Um, so I was in Tampa when the Tampa Bay Lightning got their team way back in the day. So I've been a, a diehard Tampa Bay Lightning fan ever since uh, their inception um, back in 2018. So right before I got up to Winnipeg uh, the first time, I decided to leave my corporate career take a little break and go travel for about six to eight months. And here we are four years later, still kind of bopping around on the road, um, kind of toying with a little travel and food blog at the same time uh, under the traveling food dude. And that's the American way of spelling it with just one L and the word traveling. Um, <laughs> and I'm a big hockey fan. So I'd come up in 2018 for the, the lightning game uh, to Winnipeg, kind of a last minute trip. And, um, it was funny because at the time there was, a, I guess, on the prices right, somebody had won a trip to Winnipeg, and it made the news at that time. And and uh, I was like, hey, I'm here on vacation in the in winter. I didn't know it was called Winterpeg at the time, when you come up in the winter time. Um, and everybody was telling me I needed to come back in the summer. And uh, most recently, I've been in Washington State, and I have friends that work for the NHL Street Hockey Group, um, and they just did an event in Surrey, British Columbia, this past weekend. And they're uh, they're going to be setting up here in September, um, and they had all their equipment in a truck in British Columbia. needed needed a hand driving it out here to Winnipeg, so I was kind of at the right right place at the right time. Um, and we just arrived last night and dropped off the equipment where it's going to be stored here for a little while uh, before they set up shop in uh, September for the event. And I uh, figured I'd reach out to you guys because it's uh, super cool to be back here because I've been traveling pretty much all around North America, but I want to give a shout out to like everybody uh, in Winnipeg because I feel like they're just the, the loveliest people have, who have given me the most support during my, during my journey um, interacting with them. So it's really special for me to be able to come back here. Fortunately, I'm going to be leaving, um, driving back to British Columbia today. So it's a very quick trip, but like I said, it's super special to be back here in town. What I hear in this is of the 25 countries, 45 states and five provinces you've been to, we're the best. Did I sum that up correctly? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> you have been so many places. You explain what brought you back to Winnipeg, but what's, you know, aside from Winnipeg, we don't need to, what, what stands out for you in terms of the food you've tried and the places you've been in terms of that full immersive experience, Adam? All right, so I'm going to bring up Winnipeg again for this question because we I knew uh, when I was coming to town last night I wanted to go back to Feast Cafe Bistro. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a restaurant here in town. That's a restaurant that I got to check out my first time here, and I think that's kind of the epitome of like why I wanted to go out and do this. I think they have a super great story, um, how they employ uh, their folks there and do some indigenous food and kind of really represent the food of Manitoba, um, and it's delicious, too. We, we ate there last night. We got there just before they closed last night because we got in pretty late, so shout-out to them for, for letting us in kind of late. Um, but, no, that, like just like a place like that, and I feel like every restaurant and person has a story to go with it, and it's a great way to, to meet some new people and open my eyes on different cultures and the history of different places and stuff like that. So it's been a great, a great way for me to, to learn, really, um, which has been awesome. Now, when you travel, you you travel like you brought your dog Holland into the studio yeah. with us. So, does Holland still travel with you? She does. I want to give you a shout out for that too, because since then, um, it wasn't a point of mine to do it at the time. But she was just with me as I was visiting all these different hockey arenas. So, I think um, when I was in town to go to the Jets game, it might have been like the fourth. When I say arena, usually she's just on the outside of it. Um, 
but about the fourth arena that she had been to. And now we've been to over half the NHL arenas. So um, now it's a mission of mine to get her to, to visit every NHL arena. We actually had a special invite from Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the cup. Um, last year when Tampa won the Stanley Cup, he was in town. And we got a private uh, viewing of the Stanley Cup in his hotel room. Nonetheless, he invited us <laughs> literally into his hotel room at the Marriott in downtown Tampa. And we got to hang out with him for a little bit um, and got some photos on the balcony with the Stanley Cup, which is really cool. Um, there's a company based out of Edmonton, too, that does uh, officially licensed NHL products. And Holland has become a, a little dog model for her, so that's been super cool. Um, so I feel like she's getting more attention than me, which is which I'm <laughs> which I'm totally cool with. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, she's she's still with me, and she's enjoying all the different scents and scenery and food too. She's got some. Uh, she's been eating pretty good. So does she come out. to the restaurants for you? Apologies for interrupting, Adam. Does Holland go into yeah. the restaurants or sit outside and, and gets to pick from the menu too? How does it work with the dog? Most likely I'll try to find a place that has like outdoor seating or, or somewhere where she'd be really close by. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we've been in, like I said, Washington state. So I did a trip down to Seattle and uh, she got some salmon chowder, some fish and chips. She, she's eating poutine in Montreal. She's eating Texas barbecue in Texas. She, she actually, when we were walking down Bourbon Street, they uh, somebody threw some beads down off a balcony to her on Bourbon Street. And, oh wait, doesn't so that have some sort of meaning? I know, right? I need to be worried about her, I think. So I'm keeping a close eye on her. She didn't eat the beads, did she? No, no. <laughs> she probably thought about it. Okay. And does uh, so she's clearly enjoyed lots of favorite treats. Uh, what what have what have been some of the biggest highlights for you in your adventures? Just the same thing, really, just meeting the people. I know I thoroughly enjoyed my time. I got a super warm welcome for you guys going into the studio. I didn't really know what to expect and um, just those special moments. Like I said, I'm spending some time in Washington State right now, and there's a, a marina where I'm living, or that, close to where I'm living, and there's a bunch of folks down there that live on their boats and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll go down to the local laundromat and meet some of the folks that live on their boats. And it's so stereotypical, like these like kind of like really gray-haired-looking folks with big beards and stuff like that. And I'll get to talking to them and there's such fascinating people with like cool stories about like sailing around the world and meeting awesome people and stuff like that. So I think the biggest thing for me is just uh, getting to meet folks that I wouldn't have gotten to meet otherwise and learning their stories. Do you have a favorite food? I'm a barbecue guy. So I grew up in the South and in the States and it's, it's nice to see more barbecue places up here in Canada. Now I know even Toronto has got some, a lot of southern barbecue places, but I'm my my go-to is good good old southern barbecue. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. Pretty um, you know wide range. We had a we had a really good Vietnamese restaurant in Regina uh, a couple nights ago on our way out here, so that was delicious too. Um, I'm open to anything, but barbecue is my my go-to. And you say you're you're on your way out today. What time do you leave? Probably shortly after this, to be honest with you. So um, we gonna... had a little bit of a hiccup with the rental car that I had on my way back. So I got to I got to head back a little bit sooner than I had thought. But um, do you have time yeah. for a like? Do you, I guess what I'm getting at is, do you have time to to sneak in a quick snack before you leave the city? I know, right? I need to hit up one of the bakeries, like Genie's, or or uh, I know last time I was eating so many delicious baked goods around town. Um, so I am fortunate that I got into Feast last night before they closed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm definitely going to 
try to poke by some kind of bakery on my way out for some some snacks on the way. Well, you, well, good luck picking one, just one to go to, because we have dozens of delicious bakeries know, right? scattered throughout the city. Know, know. Uh, so, hey, listen, traveling food dude, Adam Vosding, thank you so much for reaching out. It's great. What a, a tremendous update. I guess one final question before we let you go. You mentioned that you took a, a six to what was planned to be a six to eight month break from your corporate <laughs> life. And here we are four years later. Any plans to return to that? Uh, hopefully not. I mean, I may have to at some point. I've been I've been lucky finding some seasonal work um, to keep me kind of stationary for a few months in different spots. Um, so that's been keeping me going. And uh, there's a company that has a really great seasonal uh, website job posting called CoolWorks. And I've, I actually met with the owners, and I'm like, we need to get you guys up in Canada because it's a great. You know, I'm I'm older, but it's a great way for uh, I feel like some newly graduated high school students or something like that to go out and see the world and, and save some money and um, experience some new things. So it's a really, uh, if you're looking for a change, there's lots of seasonal work out there and some of these places provide housing and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a unique opportunity to, um, to kind of do something different, I should say. All right. Well, Adam, thanks for joining us. Your social media handles that uh, cause you've got one for yourself and one for your dog. Yep. So I'd love for you guys to follow along. Like I said, I've got the biggest support from the Winnipeg folks, so I appreciate it. But um, yeah, mine is Traveling Food Dude. It's Traveling with one L. And then Holland is Holland the Pup. And that's Holland like the, the country. And uh, we both have Instagram. She's got a TikTok. I got a YouTube channel. Of course. Channel. So, of course. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's in TikTok now. I learned how to cut a bell pepper really good the other day on TikTok. So you can learn anything. So. Uh, it's true. I watched this woman sweep up leaves with by wrapping the garbage bag around her feet yeah. in this bizarre way. And I, I just thought, why on earth did I not know this? <laughs> it is oh pretty goodness. You can, Yeah. It's scary, scary addictive, that thing, but, but it's fun. So she's got some videos on there, and I encourage you to check out her TikTok and go, go back and check them out. You can see like all the cool places that she's been because there's, there's quite a few out there. So. Will do, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us. His name is Adam Vosting. He is the traveling food dude and his dog, Holland the Pop.